0: A missing person. A mysterious figure. An investigation that leads a man down a path to madness. This describes not one, but two films covered on today's edition of Shriek Previews.
1: Welcome to Shriek Previews. So, Dan, let's talk about The Empty Man. The Empty Man. The Empty
0: Man. The Empty Man. It left me feeling... Empty? <laughs> no, uh, I'm get kidding. out. <laughs> According to IMDB, the plot summary is as follows. While on the trail of a missing girl, an ex-cop comes across a secretive group attempting to summon a terrifying supernatural entity... The empty man. What did you think?
1: Well, you know, it's it was very different from what I expected it to be. I expected it to be another generic boogeyman film. You know, based on the, the trailer and everything, I thought I expected it to be another Slenderman man type mm-hmm. thing. And it was very different from what I expected. Now that being said, what I just did the, the empty man. That was from the trailer, but I don't recall that actually being in the movie, and I hate when they do that. They yeah. take things. Something's in the trailer that's not in the movie. It's like a big tease. Yeah. That being said, though, I was pleasantly surprised, maybe because I didn't have very high expectations, because, again, I expected it just to be another boogeyman. And I guess we should put this in here. Spoiler alert, we're going to be spoiling movies, folks. You should be used to this by now. Uh, But if this is your first time tuning in, we spoil movies. Get over it. Anyway, you know, we get into uh, the the teen missing and then the the former cop who's a family friend goes to investigate and kind of look into it and goes down that rabbit hole. There's a cult involved and the more and more he learns, there's more about mysterious forces at work, uh, kind of – surrounding this empty man this guy in the in the hospital and it all cultivates into that big like twist at the end that this cult which believed that you can think things into existence basically that he was actually thought into existence by them to become the next incarnation of the empty man so totally different from what i expected I thought it was very interesting how it started off with the group up in the mountains and then kind of took a a left turn after that. I love just that figure of who the Empty Man is with you see the skeleton with the extra fingers and all that kind of Mm. stuff. I just thought it was really well done and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it too. My first impression
0: like you was Slender Man. Mm-hmm. Slenderman with just a dash of Eastern mysticism just for re- validity. but um, as the movie progressed, it was a lot more. It was you, you'd get more and more involved. Uh, it had a the, the detective James La which by the way in Spanish means the shade. I oh. don't know if that had anything to do with it, but um, that was something I noticed. So and yeah, good uh, slow pace first half really takes about an hour. To get into the meat of it and get really into it, but um, it it pays off. It yeah. pays off. I think the the movie came out in twenty twenty. It's set at the beginning in nineteen ninety three. Starts out in Bhutan in the mountains of Bhutan, and I really thought at the you know that those first ten minutes of the intro where they're in the mountains, mm-hmm. I thought was great. I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. And then it took a dip for me, and I'm like, man, I'm ready to just call it a day. And then finally, it just started, like I said, started picking up.
1: Yeah. You know, I felt this movie was kind of a cross between the Bye Bye Man which I don't know if you've seen, but, you know, the whole yeah. thing about once you once you think about him, you know, you set things in motion, whatever, you can't stop thinking about him, whatever. And The Ring, in that once you start this series of events, you've only got a limited amount of time. You know, it says the first night you hear him coming for you, the second night you see him coming for you, and the third night he, he gets you, or I forget, yeah. you know, what it was. So, mm-hmm. kind of like The Ring, once you see The the, the Ring, you've got seven days.
0: Yes, I I thought I thought of Slender Man, Bye Bye Man, that type of you know teens that conjure up this this you know evil spirit. I thought, eh, but mm-hmm. no, it's much more than that. I love cult films. I love I love films that uh, that have to do with cults. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I think it's a theme that's not yet been really exploited or really explored well enough. Yeah, there's still a lot of good stuff that come can come out of that. Yeah. Uh, the movie had some great shots, great composition, excellent lighting gave it that the creepiness creepiness factor to it. However, I felt that it took itself too serious. The score was overplayed throughout the whole film even in times when it wasn't necessary. Okay. Um, it could have been a lot more effective if that music that they used was uh, implemented in times when it, you know the build up needed it. But overall good good acting. I really like the uh, acting by James Badge Dale as James, as a detective,
1: former detective mm-hmm. James Lasombra, and now an actor that I was surprised to see, and I feel he's an unappreciated actor. I don't remember his name, but he was kind of the guy in the cult who was who was teaching and such, and he's Milton from Office Space. Yeah, but but it's my stapler, and I'm going to burn the place down.
0: That's that's the guy. Really? Yeah, it's him. The, the the guy that was doing the seminar, the Yeah,
1: the seminar and I
0: thought that was you know who I thought when I saw him? Hmm. I thought Rip Torn.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I said, "Is that Rip Torn?
0: I can't be sure. That can't be Rip Torn."
1: No, I it, in Rip fact, Torn. is not Rip Torn. Yeah. Okay. So Rip Torn. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, let me look that up really quick, but you know, and where I started to get the feeling that there was more going on than than really met the eye mm-hmm. was when not Rip Torn says to him, uh, "It's nice to see you back. Uh, hopefully, you'll stay longer this time." And he's like, "I've never been here before." And it's like, "Wait, mm-hmm. hey, what's going on here?" Yes, I
0: I also picked up on that little
1: spot. You know, I wondered if maybe his memory had been wiped or something like that. Or about the time when when uh, the detective uh, James Lasombra gets to
0: the um the what's that institute called Pixa. Something or other, I forget the name. Yeah, the something institute. When he gets to the institute is about the time that I took an active interest in film again, because I, like I said, I thought it started out great. Um, and then it kind of took a dip, and there was a time when you, I guess, they were trying to develop the characters and get you more comfortable with them. And then once he, once he, uh, he, he sees the, 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 the teens hanging under the bridge and all that, and then he, he investigates further and goes, decides to go to the institute. That's about the time when I found out this had to do with like a, an evil cult. I'm like, oh, this is good, and it piqued my interest again.
1: Ah, okay, because you like yeah the the cult stuff. Stephen Root is the actor's name. Stephen Root, and uh, let's see, Empty Man Institute, Pontifex Institute. That's what it was. The Pont- Pontifex Institute. Pontifex Institute. In- Pontifex Institute. Yes. Yeah. So I would give the Empty Man. Seven and a half skulls. It was good. If it if it was just a, another generic boogeyman movie, I probably would have given it six or six and a half. So the fact, you know, it was I, I enjoyed it. It was bizarre. Strange things happened and, and such, and, and I like those kind of movies, as we'll explore in the next movie that we're talking about this episode. So yeah, I give it a solid seven and a half. The issues with pacing that you mentioned how it kind of took a dip and got a little slow in the middle. That's, I think, what, in my opinion, is holding it back from being an even greater movie. If they mm-hmm. were able to tweak that a little mm-hmm. bit, I think this could be an eight or even eight and a half skull movie. But uh, as it stands, I'm going to stick with seven and a half. Agreed. Yep, absolutely. So you're saying you'd give I- it seven and a half as well? or I'm giving it seven skulls. Oh, seven. okay. Mm,
0: for the same reasons? Mm-hmm. Mm, I think, and and what I said before, I mean, it it was a movie that I didn't expect too much of when I saw the teens, and I you know, and these guys summoning this entity with a bottle. I'm like, oh my god, I've seen this before, but it yielded a lot of surprises.
1: Yeah, it would be interesting to actually to see. Not that I'm big on sequels or whatever, but the fact that the Empty Man, they they suggest that you know this is kind of timeless and has been around for a long time the old mm. tibetan monks and stuff like that it would be interesting to get more source material or whatever that would kind of explain it a little more exactly i felt that way too i felt that they kind of threw in the whole
0: eastern mysticism thing just to like kind of give it a cheap explanation and
1: didn't really get into that you know? right yeah so i I would like to see that developed more but uh, if they did try to make a sequel or prequel it would probably suck
0: I did like the fact that the detective uh, was sent to the cabin, the character was sent to the cabin, and he started looking into the, you know, what I didn't understand is this cabin looks like it's like just a shack in the middle of nowhere, no light, but yet there's like power for the TV. Right, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, why didn't he just turn on the
1: lights and watch it instead of, you know, I guess it adds to the ambience. Yeah. Well, in in movies and TV shows, I found it doesn't matter how long a place has been abandoned or closed down, there's still electricity. There's still a little power to watch on TV. Right, yeah. All right. Well, so that is The Empty Man. Now, believe it or not, the description we gave at the beginning of the episode describes a second movie as well. It doesn't seem like it might be connected to The Empty Man, because The Empty Man is such a unique movie, but another very unique movie, one of my favorites, In the Mouth of Madness by John Carpenter. So according to IMDb, the plot summary for In the Mouth of Madness is as follows. An insurance investigator begins discovering that the impact a horror writer's books have on his fans is more than inspirational it's got the tagline, lived any good books lately? Dan, what'd you think of that one? I really enjoyed it. I really loved it. You recommended it. It's an old movie. It's
0: from 1994. A lot of good actors. Again, Charlton Heston is in this. Mm-hmm. It's nice to see him. And in top form, David Warner, um, Sam Neill, Bernie Casey from Revenge of the Nerds. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, Peter Jason. Uh, very good acting. Very good production. Uh, not your typical... Horror. I don't know whether to call it a horror movie or suspense, but it's somewhere lies somewhere in between. I guess it is a horror movie because there's monsters. Involved. Yeah, it is horror. Mm-hmm. It has a nineteen to me. It has like a like a nineteen fifties horror comic feel to it, like those old EC mad comics. Mm-hmm. You know those old style. That's how I felt this played out, or it felt to me. It had that feeling, that flavor. Right. John Carpenter directed. Yeah. And you okay. can tell the influence in the film. There's a lot of John Carpenter-esque scenes or moments where he reminds you of another movie. Right. And you're like, oh, that reminds you, Oh, well, this is John Carpenter. Yeah. And he did some of the music, I guess.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the interesting, obviously, there's a lot of Carpenter influence in here, but there's also a ton of influence from H.P. Lovecraft. I mean, this isn't a Lovecraft story, but it's kind of an homage, a love letter to Lovecraft. Little details, I mean, Lovecraft wrote about creepy monsters from beyond and slimy things, and almost all of his stories happened in quiet New England towns and such, and uh, there was paranormal investigation, and even the Pickman Hotel there's a character in several Lovecraft stories named Pikmin that that's central. So I mean, mm. that was that was totally a, a a hat tip to Lovecraft.
0: Well well Lovecraft I believe was a lot of Lee, it was like hard leaning towards science fiction, was it not?
1: Yeah, a lot of time, you know, because the whole Cthulhu mythology, Cthulhu. you know, was mm-hmm. the the brainchild of, of H.P. Lovecraft, and you know he was he was back in the eighteen hundreds. He was a contemporary of Edgar Allan Poe. That's correct. Yes, yes. that's
0: that's true. And um, you know what though? That the characters I thought were well developed in this, very likable. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, Sam Neill... Gave me, or I feel, was based on the old nineteen forties uh, radio dramas of Johnny Dollar, who mm. was a, a uh, an insurance investigator, and but he would only solve crimes. In this, he's like looking for this missing man that gets drawn into this like whole mess that he didn't sure. he didn't count on. Right. I, I love the fact that this movie has humorous tones in it. It didn't take itself too serious. It had very good humorous tones in it and uh and therefore, it drew you more into that movie,
1: yeah, there was some quirkiness to it the The movie had a lot of character to it, and as you mentioned, the characters were very likable. You talked about good acting. The only acting that I didn't like was I thought the lady who played Linda Styles, I thought her acting was horrible.
0: I think she's um yeah, I don't think she she was okay, I didn't think it was horrible. I think she's primarily a dancer, that oh, actress. Okay. But, um, may she was yeah, she's nothing to write home about. Nice to look at. She
1: sounded like she was delivering lines the yes. whole time, you know. Whereas Sam Neill and the others were actually acting. Yes, I yeah, yeah,
0: maybe. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from.
1: I love the, the creepy old lady, Mrs. Pickman, at the hotel and what happens with her and I'm I'm sure I've seen that actress in other movies. Oh, she's been in tons of stuff. But just the way she played it was super creepy and uncomfortable. And that's one of the things too that I love about this movie and you know, John Carpenter's little touches. There were little things that just made me uncomfortable. Like the scene with uh, outside of the church where there's uh, all the children and uh, Styles sees the children and says like who who takes care of you and you know the it's Mummy's Day, it's mommy's but day. just one of the things you see they've got the kids have a dog, and the dog has only three legs. I didn't even catch that. Yeah. You see it kinda of hobbling, it's missing one of its back legs and you know, it it's it's a throwaway, but just something like that is it's just that little dash. uncomfortable. Um, yeah you know, just a sliver in your brain like, Oh, that poor dog, you know. For me the uncomfortableness
0: lied in a lot of the shots and sceneries, like the the empty town for very idyllic, very, you know, just typical uh US or American town and there's nobody around. Yeah. The church, you know, that the, it was just out there in the middle of nowhere. The painting, I love the paintings, the how paintings. they changed every time. The movie had good pace,
1: a lot of suspense. Yeah. Great film. Yeah, this is one of my favorites. You know, I've mentioned before that, you know, I only purchase some movies that I want to watch over and over again that are my favorites, and this is one that I own. This is definitely one of my favorites. So I think... I would give this movie a 9 out of 10, which I think is probably to date the highest rating I've given a movie. Yes, Mouth of Madness from 1994, I also will give it 9 skulls. Oh yeah, 9 skulls. That's a, yeah, I I that's good good to get bring you back to things. 9 <laughs> out of 10. What is this? What is this a normal critic thing? No. <laughs> 9 skulls, 9 bloody twisted tentacle infested alien skulls. So
0: this you said this is one of your favorite films. Yes. What stopped you from giving from giving
1: it 10 skulls? Honestly because I don't think I've I've seen the perfect film yet. I mean this is pretty close, but I I can't say that this film is perfect that you know there's I guess if I I had to decide what to to rate it back or, you know, dock it points for. Maybe some of the creatures looked a little fake. You know, again, Linda Stiles, her bad acting, when some of the kids, and we see some some bad makeup jobs and stuff. So maybe, now granted, it's 1994, so it's not, if they were to remake this movie today with cgi and stuff that they have available today it may very well be the perfect movie there's just those little little touches that keep it from being complete perfection in my opinion mm, gotcha what about you why, why what made you give it a nine and not a 10 or but also not like an eight or a seven it didn't knock my socks off
0: okay you know it it was a great movie i enjoyed it i'd watch it again But again, like you, I think it's I'm always searching for the perfect movie that'll just blow me away and say, oh, my God.
1: Right. This is it. Uh, You know? Right. And I haven't found that one yet, although this is getting close. And every time I watch this movie, this is probably the eighth or ninth time that I've seen this movie. I enjoy it every time, even though I know what's going to happen. I I really
0: liked how much uh, good talent was in this. John Glover as Dr. Saperstein, Charlton Heston, as I mentioned, David Warner and Sam Neill. A lot of good
1: good talent. See, this is why I I keep you around with the podcast, because you you know actors' names and everything like that. I'm just like, hey, that guy. (laughs) And, oh, that guy that I saw in, I've seen him in something else, but I don't remember what it is. So you've got that, and you're the brains of the operation. I'm just the good looks for this (laughs) audio program that has no visual component to it at all (laughs) i always said you had uh, the looks for radio uh, absolutely absolutely (laughs) so dan any last thoughts about mouth of
0: madness it's a good film i definitely would watch it i do recommend it
1: it's um it's something i think that i would have on my shelf yes yeah Obviously, I recommended it to you, and uh, I own it. It is on my shelf. has a prominent place on my shelf. And like I said, I've seen it probably eight or nine times. I enjoy it every time I watch it. So, listeners, if you like those kind of horror... Oh, and here's another thing that I love about In the Mouth of Madness. There, it's, it doesn't rely on jump scares. So no. many, So many horror movies rely on jump scares for... Cheap jump, Mm -hmm. but this it's it's more of a slow burn.
0: It had jump scares, but you're right, it didn't rely on them. You know, like that part when he wakes up from a dream, and then he wakes up from another dream, and then the cops next to him and on the couch. Oh, that's true.
1: That is, yeah. But,
0: But they were they were added on. They they helped the film. It didn't. It they didn't. Rely on it as a crutch to get the film through where it was going.
1: Right, and I think part of that is due to John Carpenter being such an excellent filmmaker. Yes, to put a jump scare in there without me even realizing it was a jump scare because yes, just it's just the framing. It's not that it's not somebody creeping through a a, a dark hallway and all of a sudden, bah! you know, yeah, <laughs> that's how jump scares usually are in these movies. It was just. Okay, he wakes up and now there's a sudden shift of perspective and that's what gives the the startling and that's just um mm. a testimony to John Carpenter's film prowess. And what a director he is. He has such a repertoire.
0: what, what are some of his films? Oh, he's got Halloween, the Halloween, original. right? The original. The Fog I think was his, the
1: original Fog. The f- the Fog or the Mist.
0: I don't maybe. think he did the Mist. He did the Fog from the 1980. Okay,
1: yeah. And uh, uh, he has. Um, they um, live. They live. Yes, which is a a, a classic cool. we, with
0: Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper.
1: Yeah, we should do an episode on that. We have to. Um, the thing. The thing. The
0: thing. Let's do a quick
1: search of John Carpenter filmography.
0: Okay. I expect nothing less but a great, well-crafted film from John Carpenter.
1: Yeah, you were right, The Fog. Escape from New York. I'll escape from New York. Big Trouble in Little China. He did that? Yep. Holy crap. Prince of Darkness. Prince of Darkness. Uh, the Prince
0: of Darkness, I feel, feels like it has a, a, a same feeling as this movie.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's same flavor.
0: See. He's got a ton of them. He's a, He is a master of horror. I think he did a, 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 one of the um, segments in uh, Body Bags.
1: Yes, yeah, that's on here. Mm-hmm. Halloween Kills, I mentioned. I think he did the last one uh, because uh, What's-Her-Face came back, and mm-hmm. yep, that was his. Uh, looks like he's tied to a lot of the Halloween movies, though, even the bad ones. Silence of the Hams, I didn't realize that was... I'll take a pass a on that. Yeah, that's um Interesting. So, yeah, I mean, he's got an extensive filmography, but we we touched on his his best ones and most famous ones. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that, I think, wraps it up for today, folks. Thanks for listening. Feel free to reach out to us via email, shriekpreviews at gmail.com. Let us know your opinions, uh, if you agree or disagree with something we said in an episode or if there's something that you would love to see us cover in one of our shows. That's it. Say goodbye, Dan. Guys, thanks for listening, and please write. Yep. Please, please write.